Ooh, friends, this is special. I knew this conversation needed to come and live over on the Becoming Iconic podcast. The Kelly Show with Kelly Moore, who is a fast friend and someone who I really, really respect. She asked me to be a guest on her podcast. So The Kelly Show is a great podcast if you're looking for some really incredible questions that are being asked and some new perspectives that we get to play around with and discern and spend some time contemplating for ourselves. She just has a really wicked show. And so to be asked to be a guest on that was just such a privilege and honor. And this interview was one of my personal favorites that I've ever had. I knew it would be because Kelly asks such meaningful questions and is someone who is seeking deep, meaningful answers to questions. And so I just knew coming into this interview that it was going to be very, very impactful and powerful. And it was. And the response to it was incredible. People are loving this. So with her permission, her grace, and her generosity, she is sharing the audio from The Kelly Show and my interview with her over here on the Becoming Iconic podcast. Ugh, sink in. It's a goodie. Kelly, thank you so much for allowing this to live over here. You are an incredible human, and I can't wait for more people to hear you, hear us, and start to ask important questions. Sink in, friends. If we actually just look in the mirror constantly and take that personal responsibility, you'll often hear me say radical personal responsibility. I teach leadership where I start every time. People are hungry. They're like, teach me leadership. Teach me how to build a team. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We have to start with you and how you're leading yourself. And when we start there and you really start to take that personal responsibility, everything accentuates. It's like this beautiful opening. Like I think of a flower, like a rose just opening up and it's so beautiful because it started with you. Welcome to the Becoming Iconic podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I am a life, business, and brand stylist. And after years of helping thousands of female entrepreneurs grow successful businesses and lives, I was called to bring these delicious conversations forward for those of you who are ready to build, expand, and actually enjoy all the desires of your heart. I'm so confident that this podcast will support you as you start to elevate and pursue the highest version of yourself. Thank you for being here. Sink in and enjoy. Jen, I'm so excited to chat with you. You know, I was listening to so many of your shows and I've been following you for a while and we've had a chance to connect a few times, um, which I love. But the thing that stands out to me about you that I want to start with is this idea of being iconic and becoming Mm. iconic. And your podcast is around this topic. And it's so interesting to me because, and maybe it's just me and everyone else hears this, but no one uses the word icon or iconic anymore. As I'm thinking about you, I'm like, What is it that this woman felt so drawn to this concept of becoming iconic? What has your journey, this is so, so layered, right? Uh, Let me ask you seven questions at once. But what (laughs) has your journey of becoming iconic looked like at the same time of building this brand around it? And you know, I appreciate this question because I've never been asked it. And so I'm actually sort of coming through and deciding where, where does it come from and remembering I had this realization as you were asking that this has truly been about my personal journey and me stepping into my personal power. Before becoming iconic, I was a successful entrepreneur, but I was an entrepreneur who was constantly looking outside of herself for validation, 
constantly desiring people to tell me how great I was or that my leadership was helping them and just looking outside of myself all the time and becoming iconic. The word iconic showed up for me and I'm not entirely sure how. I'm just going to be honest. I don't know how that popped in. Maybe that was a nice download or channeled. I don't know, but I took it and it really made me uncomfortable especially as someone who identifies as a woman, like who am I to use the word iconic? You know, Madonna's iconic, Beyonce's iconic, Michael Jackson's iconic. These are iconic Oprah. Like we can pick these big, big people that have been highly successful. It really triggered me. Who am I? I started asking myself that question in that what came forward for me was living an iconic life, being iconic is waking up every day deciding to be better than I was yesterday and teaching that to others. How can we improve? How can we grow? What have we learned? And being iconic as a stay-at-home mom, being iconic as an entrepreneur, being iconic in our relationships, it's really about, for me at least, becoming the fullest, most beautiful, robust, big version of myself and taking up some space. So I just started to own the word because it challenged me. And I thought, well, if it challenges me, maybe it'll challenge some other people along the way too. Mm, That's so interesting. Because one of the things I was curious about was we have our brands for a reason. We teach what we need to hear. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. as I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about becoming iconic, my question that came up was, where were you playing small? How did you play small in your life? Yeah. And I, I really was. I look back at myself. This is really not that long ago. I'd say about three, four years ago with such compassion now, but that took a lot of therapy and a lot of forgiveness of self because a lot of my life was big. I was successful. The things I did, I did very well. Where I played small was the ability to stand in that. I just didn't have in me, for whatever reason, the ability to own that success, hold that success because I took humility to this really big level. That humility to me meant I had to be small and dim my light so other people around me could shine bright. That true leadership was stepping aside and letting other people lead. And yes, there's something to that, but it doesn't mean you have to step aside. You can actually continue to walk forward and people can walk forward with you. So it was really about me going into deep internal work and identifying how much I was, I would almost say it was an addiction to outward validation. If someone was upset with me, I would curl up in the fetal position and it would last so long. I mean, they literally would strip me from any confidence that I did have. And if someone told me I was great, I was on a high. And so a lot of my days were these highs and these lows, this emotional roller coaster, completely dependent on other people navigating that for me, really, because I wasn't navigating that for myself. It's so funny you say holding success and owning success. And I was. I recorded a solo episode yesterday and someone had asked me about finances. And the only Mm -hmm. thing that I really felt called to share was this idea of not only being able to become that energy or frequency of money so that when you receive it, you are open to receiving it, right? We don't block ourselves. It's like, oh, I want a million dollars. And then you get a million dollars and then you're like, "Ah, what do I do with a million dollars? And it's the same concept. It's whether it's money, success, a healthy relationship, it doesn't matter. We have to become this vessel that can hold for that. We have to be able to match that vibration and that frequency so that when it does come to us, we can hold it. We can create the container for that to land. So how did you get to a point where you were able to hold that success, match that frequency and become that vessel? 
I resonate with that so deeply because financially, I was on a roller coaster ride there too. I was making incredible income monthly, but still had more month than I did money. And how someone could go through that much money in a month is still a question. I still don't know the answer to that other than I wasn't standing in my power. So how did I do that? It was really about kind of having this come to Jesus with myself. I guess honoring, I suppose, the ways in which I was holding because I did hold a very successful business. It was sustainable. It was growing. It was what most people and entrepreneurs would be really grateful for, but I was definitely capped. And I was capped. I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't growing to the rate that I knew my potential, my capacity could hold because I literally feel like my business was waiting for me. Speaking just in terms of business for a minute, what I witnessed because I've been mentoring for so long is either your business is chasing you, which is, I believe, a better way to go, (laughs) or you're chasing your business. And in my experience, I was chasing my business because I had not learned how to be in my energy and enjoy the process. I had ridiculous work ethic. I still do. I love to work. I love to do what I do. It is not something that I wake up and think, oh, I got to do a podcast day or oh, I got to coach today. I love it thoroughly. But there's a difference with this masculine hustle grind mentality that I had and then matching it and marrying it with this feminine energy that I had to learn to trust. I didn't trust that side. I thought that if you didn't work hard, you were lazy. If I didn't work hard, things would fall apart. And so this is, I'm still, I feel like, in the work of figuring this out. But it's definitely become now more enjoyable through healing. I do a lot of breath work. I have a breath work coach. She's on my team. We meet regularly because this really is a constant evolution. Mm. So I want to go back to what you were just saying about working hard. Mm. Because I think that when we are young, we are taught what working hard means like this, right? Right. There's this definition, right? Grinding, staying up all night, pushing out as much content as possible, making sure everything's perfect, blah, blah, blah. And then we get to a point as we get a little older and we have a little experience under our belts and we're like, but is this actually working hard? Is this even productive? What am I getting out of this? How am I providing value in this way? Mm -hmm. So how have you been able to redefine what working hard and success look like? This is a good conversation I think you and I could have, actually. I guess I've been around a while. And so I watch it. I call it the pendulum. I watch this pendulum swing. I was on the side of this masculine. So I grew up in the entrepreneurial space where it was grind, hustle, like you said, work nonstop. Don't take your foot off the gas. I didn't take a vacation. I'd go on vacation and be on my phone. I think back of like how much I've missed. (laughs) It was beautiful. It was a beautiful life. So I have to honor it. But there was pieces where I'm just like, I have to show compassion for that girl who didn't trust. And then I'm watching this pendulum swing, especially 2020, into this feminine side of like, just let it flow and just welcome it in and manifest it. (laughs) Because I've been around for a while, I'm like, wait, (laughs) it's not a one or the other. (laughs) I believe, like any relationship, when you bring those two things together, they get to pull out the best in each other. That has been a bit of a journey. Like, when you agree, aren't you witnessing it where it's just these big swings? It's so, I liken it to like the 90s are back. I have a scrunchie on my wrist. Let's go here. Let's go here. Okay, this is coming back. I think of even in sexuality, like the open relationship dynamic right now is blowing up. I think we're back in the 70s with free love and then talk to me in 30 years. 
when this next generation of kids is like, I'm going to be monogamous. Like, no, thank you. It's all the same to me. And it's this black and white. It has to go so far the other way. And I don't understand that. Why can't we live in more of a gray area? Why can't, like you said, why can't we blend these different modalities so that it actually makes sense and is sustainable? Right. And maybe you're like swung a little bit to one side more than the other because that just is what feels good. But I think this is where in life and in business, we tend to get it wrong if I can say that. It's this constant like scratching at the surface for the answer. And so we look at these leaders, these mentors, and if they say something, we don't discern. This was my journey. I didn't discern advice I was given. It was like, you should do this. Okay, I was a fantastic student. You told me to do something. I did it and I did it very well. But what I realized in leadership is is taking advice and discerning, does this feel good? Can I hold this for a long period of time? Is this going to be fulfilling? Can I create a beautiful life alongside of my business? Do these two things match? So I really wanted to encourage anybody listening in to start the act of discernment so that the pendulum for you stays a little bit more steady in the middle. And yeah, it swings a little bit from side to side based on if you're launching something or your marriage needs a little bit of tending to, there's going to be those swings, but that it's more steady. And in that steadiness, you'll find more fulfillment. Mm, I love that. Okay, discernment. This is... I feel like such a hot topic for me the last six months, Mm. especially in the coaching industry, the words integrity and discernment. And you use integrity a lot, which is why I initially fell in love with you. I was like, thank God someone else is talking about this. (laughs) And I really respect you and the way you speak about things. And you're very honest and you call things out. And I really, really appreciate that about you. People like us have to go through not having been discerning to come to a place where we understand what that even means and how to know how to work with someone, how to know who to listen to, how to know when we get to trust ourselves. It's this long winding path to get to where we are at this point and how you are showing up in your coaching business and how you work with your clients. What was the winding path of discernment for you? And when was that like aha moment where you thought, oh, I'm going about this in the wrong way, or this is where I can make a change here that would actually be more self-honoring for me. These conversations is why I was so excited to be here with you too, because you and I will have a really honest conversation. And what's right for us may not be right for the next person. That's okay. And I think that was part, to answer your question, that's part of it. I stopped trying to be everything for everybody. I danced that really well, but it came a time in my journey where there were some people who didn't resonate with me who didn't think I was a great leader. And that sucked. That was my first experience and it knocked the wind out of me where I couldn't understand because I consider myself a highly compassionate person. I consider myself somebody who has a big heart to see other people succeed. And so when somebody looked at me with a different set of eyes, I couldn't grasp that. It was really hard for me to chew. How I behaved in that moment, I don't really... I had to do a lot of forgiving around because I did go down this victim mentality pit of poor me and why don't they like me? And But that was the start of my journey of discernment. That was. I look back now and know exactly why that happened. And I'm grateful now that that happened. That took a long time to get there, but that started this. And I'm so grateful now to be where I am because it taught me that to be in my personal power is to recognize that my opinion doesn't need to be yours, but that always has to lay in a level of respect. And it always has to come from a pure, compassionate place. We can have really difficult conversations and we can call things out in our industry when it's coming from purity. If it's manipulation, 
if we're saying this from a marketing point of view and we're doing this to brand ourselves, that's when you're going to have people who you trigger and there's going to be some lash out. I don't really have that, not to say it won't happen. I don't really have that because I believe people feel the purity of what I'm saying, that it doesn't have to be right for you, but I'm seeing these things and I want to have this discussion and I want us to pay attention and I want us all to elevate as leaders. All of us are leaders and no matter what you're doing, if you're in business listening to this or you're leading your family or you're leading yourself, we're leaders. And what if, especially as women, we decide to raise the bar for each other by having these conversations and just mirroring back and then being open to have respectful dialogue around the things we're noticing. And so having that and starting that created this really beautiful love language of conversation for me. I love this, this kind of space where we're just chatting and people get to listen in. I love being with leaders like yourself. And I love using my voice in a way that serves others. You're right. The discernment journey is forever, I believe, because once you get it, then you can't come out of it. I think the amazing thing about this and what you just shared is that you took responsibility. Mm. Like, let's just get real honest about what being a great leader entails. It entails taking responsibility. Let's be honest, in my volleyball career especially, I have been the leader and I have watched leaders now in my adult life who point blame at their team, Mm -hmm. who say, oh, it's their fault. I did everything right and it's on them. Okay, we all have a part in this. And I think where we miss the mark so often is not taking responsibility for ourselves. Because you talk about raising the bar for others. Well, we can't do that until we raise the bar for ourselves. And that's what you did. You got called out. You had to come to Jesus. You were like, what are we doing now? (laughs) You took responsibility. You Mm -hmm. made some changes and you leveled up yourself so that you could also hold others accountable at that space. We don't get to hold people accountable at a higher level than we're holding ourselves accountable. Absolutely. How hard has it been? Because for me, taking responsibility was very uncomfortable. How hard is it or maybe easy for you? Has it been to take responsibility and become that type of leader? It was the biggest relief I've ever had in my life. Because if we actually just look in the mirror constantly and take that personal responsibility, you'll often hear me say radical personal responsibility. I teach leadership where I start every time. People are hungry. They're like, teach me leadership. Teach me how to build a team. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. We have to start with you and how you're leading yourself. And when we start there and you really start to take that personal responsibility, everything accentuates. It's like this beautiful opening. I think of a flower, like a rose just opening up and it's so beautiful because it started with you. When I decided to stop looking out and start looking in, at first it was really hard. I didn't like it. I cried a lot. I was angry. There was things I wanted to avoid parts of me I didn't want to acknowledge, but it was through that acknowledgement and loving that and being compassionate with that, that I can now be this empathetic leader for other people. It also released me from any attachment to people's opinions and the way they come at me. I have no problem with you disagreeing with what I have to say. And I actually expect that, you know, that's going to happen. People are not going to agree and that's okay. However, how you approach that is your responsibility and how I receive that is my responsibility. And that really difficult time in my life taught me that. I just would handle that so much differently than I did back then. That difficult time brought me into if it ever happened again, what would I do differently? And I would handle my own 
backyard a lot differently than I did before. It was just all about them and what they thought of me and pursuing these people with no matter how much pursuit I was going to put out there. I could dance. I could do anything. They just weren't willing to look at me in that way. We weren't meant for each other. And so that personal responsibility releases that attachment, releases that tie from trying to win people over. And instead you just get to be. What did you learn when you release the need for external validation? That it feels a lot better when it comes from me. It's like fulfilling on a cellular level. Yeah, it makes me a little emotional. It's like, you know how real, you know how true it is because it's from you. There's no ulterior motive. There's no manipulation. There's no opinion. There's no other attachment other than you looking in the mirror and going, wow, you did that. Or wow, you're really showing up in your life. Or I forgive you for snapping at your partner today. It's okay. Like we did that. But you know what? You're most of the time, you're really, really understanding. And that type of dialogue with myself, that relationship I have with myself is so sacred and important. And when you ask that question, I just felt like I just sunk right into it. So thank you for for asking that. Yeah. Are you a words of validation girl or yes. words, words of validation? Word, yes. Words of validation? Words, words of, of affirmation. Affirmation. Yes. Okay, that's not the word. You mm-hmm. are. Okay. So mm-hmm. am I. Okay. So I am so curious to ask you this. I've never asked anyone this in my life. I struggle as the leader of my team. We have a team of nine now. I struggle because I'm constantly giving other people affirmation. It's my love language. So that's how I give, you know, and show that I love them. I don't get it back as much as I would like. And it's something that I've worked on in my relationship with Connor and he has, it is not his love language. It makes him very uncomfortable. So he has really had to try so hard and he's done an amazing job in the last two and a half years. But I find that even with my team, I wish that someone would be like, great job. Or like, mm-hmm. we are onboarding five clients this <laughs> month. Like, wow. You know? Yes. And it's kind of like, no one says anything. And I feel kind of dumb if I'm being honest because it's something that I would like to ask for because I do feel like it would feel really good to have that kind of support. But then I also am like, I'm the leader of this team. Is that weird to ask for that? Makes total sense. And this is a really great conversation because you're not alone in that. I'm not alone in that. And even if it's gifts or time, whatever the love language is, somebody will be able to connect to this because when we, especially generous humans, which you are, You're a very generous, very generous leader, and you are generous to the people in your community, and I also witness you be generous with your team. I I, I watch you. And so when we are generous, we give, we give, we pour out. Sometimes that can be a bit of an energy leak for us when we're not receiving that back a little bit. And so this happened for me in leadership. I felt so lonely. I kind of bought the idea of it's lonely at the top. I thought, well, I'm at the top. You know, I've made it here. But it's really, it's like nobody tells you anymore you're doing a great job. Nobody tells you anymore way to go for having a new client. It's just people assume that that's just, you're, you're good with that. You've done it. And we miss it. And so here's what I did. And this was, I didn't even realize why I did this until this conversation. I actually met with my team and this can even be with family. So anybody listening in, even if you don't own, you know, run a team, this could be with your family. I said, how do you love to be recognized? What motivates you? And they would tell me, and I would learn their love languages. For some people, it was like, you know, acts of service or a gift. And so I started to honor their love language because I was also in some ways not fulfilling them if I was pouring Mm. out these words of affirmation 
But yet she doesn't really care about that. That's her like least love language. She wants touch. She wants me to come over and give her a big hug and like be like, you are amazing. So it's interesting now we start to identify, ooh, I'm doing what I want to get, but it's not necessarily even fulfilling you. So it was beautiful because they would tell me and I started to meet them with what motivated them. And naturally they started asking me questions back. Like what what would be good for you? What motivates you? We started to have this beautiful relationship where everybody felt seen and understood and it made it a lot more fun because I would go buy a gift for her and not feel bad that this one over here didn't get a gift because they didn't really care. So it stopped this whole comparison and needing to keep everything even too because as you're growing a team, that can sometimes be a bit of a a struggle, right? Like what I do for one, I got to do for everybody, but not necessarily, not even with your children. I have four kids. So if I treat them all the same, I'm not actually treating them all the same because what one receives as love may not be the way the other one receives love or attention. So I have to meet them where they're at. And for you identifying this, it seems like a really great opportunity. It's always a great opportunity for all of us to look at our relationships and start asking for what we would desire, but also offering to them, what do you desire? Mm-hmm. You're so good. <laughs> Love that. It's so true though, because I'm over here and this is what happens. We get in our bubble. I'm over here like, oh, I'm giving you all these words of affirmation. I want mine too. And they're yeah. like, this totally lost on me. This means nothing. <laughs> no, it's not. It's like the best conversation. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I love that so much. I recorded something yesterday. I just, I had this interesting feeling. We had a, this amazing team meeting on Monday. Mm. I have a lot of like younger people that work for me. I'm about to be 34, but many of them are like 25, 26, mm-hmm. and they feel so young. They're like babies. And I've had an opportunity to watch them grow over the last couple of years. And I remember in our team meetings when we first started, no one would talk. It was like, yeah. Kelly's in charge. Kelly says everything. <laughs> I must have been very scary or something. <laughs> and now we've really created this open dialogue. I have gotten so much better as a leader at listening. I didn't realize how much I just talked at people. I talked for a living, you know, and I was the captain of the volleyball team my whole life. And then I talked for a living on TV and then I run a podcast. And so I realized that I had just started listening so much more in the last couple of years since we started Soulfire. And that allowed them to have the space to speak up. And I'm listening to these kids. I'm like, you guys are so smart. Smart. Like, wow. (laughs) You know, I'm blown away. You guys know way more than I do. (laughs) I'm curious if listening has played a big role in your leadership growth and how that has looked. Mm -hmm. Well, this speaks to me of confidence because to Mm -hmm. be able to listen is an act of confidence. A leader who is not confident, wants to fill the room, wants to prove themselves, wants to show how much of an expert they are, look at me. And so for as soon as I see somebody come in a room like that, I'm like, that is not confidence to me at all. That is the polar opposite. Although you want us to look at you as a confident leader, you're not fooling me. I see right through you. And I look at that again, not with judgment, with compassion, because I was there. Look at me, you know, make me feel important. So what I see in you and what I'm witnessing is that you have this level of confidence now in what you have to offer and what you're building. Like congratulations that you have a team of nine. Let's just stay there for a second. So good. And that you are leading this group that look at you as a leader, but also feel comfortable enough around you to offer their opinions and to offer their advice or their skills. That's leadership. And there's something really powerful, especially women. People ask me about confidence all the time. They're like, well, how would you describe it? And I have a very vivid image. Hopefully I can articulate it well. But I think of a woman who is like in a really beautiful outfit, whatever that looks like for you. 
and she's in a chair and she's kind of like leaning back with her arm on the back of the chair and her leg is crossed and she has this like peaceful confidence to her. I find that the most seductive, alluring type of woman. Like I just, who are you? I want to know you. It's not the one standing up in front of the room who's the loudest. It's not even the one with the prettiest outfit or the nicest bag. I'm looking at that woman who can sit there and not need to be needed. She just knows. She knows she knows herself what she has to offer. And that is the type of woman I desire to be. That gentle, peaceful confidence. It's so powerful. Is there anything you can pinpoint that keeps you from fully embodying that woman? Mm -hmm. When I slip back into what do they think? Or when I compare, I fell into that trap. Just actually recently would be the last couple of months. There's a a peer of mine who's really doing well. I applaud her. I'm so happy for her. It's not from a state of jealousy. It comes from a state of comparison of like, why not me? Why are not that many people coming over to my side, you know, seeing what I have to offer? And We actually don't even offer the same thing. So there's not even a competitive edge over each other. It was just me looking at her. And what I caught myself in was I started to talk like her a little bit. I started to use some of the words that she uses over and over and over again. It was one of those moments where I was listening to one of my podcasts. and I was like, oh gosh, that doesn't even sound like me. What happened? (laughs) Someone took over my body, but I was able to say to myself, oh wait, It's not that that gen, that version that we've graduated from, it's not that she's gone. She still shows up from time to time. We just catch her really quickly now and go, oh, she's here. She's in the room. And you're looking for validation. You're looking outside of yourself again. Time to come back home. And we just get back on track. So it's not that it ever goes away for me. It's just that I'm really quick now to sort of detect it and course correct quickly to to go back to what I know is right for me. And it sounds like without judgment, you're going about that. I think that's a huge sign of growth. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I would do that and then I would beat myself up and Mm -hmm. I'd be like, wow, you're so pathetic. You're going back to this old pattern. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, and I just say all these horrible things to myself. I'm like, well, how are we supposed to ever get better if we're just beating ourselves up on a daily basis? And I learned how to show myself grace and forgiveness and be like, oh, like that's what we did to cope before. We just don't need to do that anymore. And it's fine. Did you find it? easy to move into grace for yourself? Mm -hmm. Because I learned something. It was, this is not mine. This is through my breath coach. She said to me, Jen, the reason you're so drawn in, the reason you're triggered, the reason this is all coming up for you is because she's showing you what's possible. She's showing you what you're capable of and where is it in your life that you are not living up to that. You're not standing in that. And that, it felt like a leap. I've had this conversation a couple times recently, and I wish I could say there was this moment and then this happened and, you know, I jumped in. It, I just felt like one morning I woke up differently. I woke up in my power and I think I made a decision, a declaration to myself to stop comparing and start owning that I have a lot to offer and it's not better than, it's not less than, it's different And people will come into my world who resonate with how I lead. And people will go into your world because they will resonate the way you lead. And when we as women, especially because we've been raised to be so competitive with one another and comparative with one another, when we can like sever that and just be so steady in our power, our personal power, it's when all of a sudden everybody is amplified. I'm amplified, you're amplified, and everybody feels free to make their personal just choices. There's none of this tug of war that isn't necessary. I was listening to you talking to our mutual friend, Peyton Hughes, this morning on your podcast. 
we were talking about her before we recorded just how much we love and and admire her Mm -hmm. and how much she has changed. But I thought it was funny when you first started the show, you were talking about how much her saying she was taking two hours for herself every day was kind of like triggering and uncomfortable for you. You're like, what do you mean? (laughs) Two hours? Like, how is that possible? And you wanted to have that conversation with her live on the show Mm -hmm. um, so that people could witness that. And I, I loved it. It was such a good episode. It brought up for me this idea of the sacred pause Mm -hmm. and slowing down and taking time for ourselves. And as someone who has been a perfectionist and is like, go, 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 speed of a freight train at all times, Mm -hmm. the idea of slowing down at all can be very overwhelming and uncomfortable. And I have definitely gotten better over at it over the years. But you guys had such a cool conversation around this. And I'm, I'm just curious how that conversation impacted you and changed you. Yeah, that was a really good conversation. She did trigger me. She did. And it still somewhat does. But I again, this is, oh, I'm so grateful for this conversation because you're actually helping me identify some things that I, I don't know if I've identified until now. That conversation stemmed a longer morning for me. So the idea of two hours in solitude still feels like such a far off thing for me. I'm a mom of four running a podcast, running two businesses. I still do everything, clean, cook, all the things. And that's not a martyrism. That's a choice. So I could choose differently and create the space. But right now I'm choosing all of those things. And so the idea of two hours alone it doesn't, I don't even know after that conversation is like, does that even appeal to me? Is that what I need right now? There may be a point in my life where it is, but I didn't know if I needed that. What it did bring forward to me was the acknowledgement of being with myself. And am I making that a practice? And it doesn't, again, this is going back to even to comparison. It doesn't have to be Payton's structure, although I love it. And I think it's such a big challenge for all of us. What if it gets to be Jen's structure? And so how that unfolded for me, again, I didn't even know this until you just asked me this, like, oh, that's why I changed my mornings. I moved my mornings from 10 o'clock start to 11 o'clock start. And so what that meant for me was an hour longer in my, I have this whole thing and people know me a lot for talking about my silk robe, the whole practice and the ritual of the silk robe. And so it gave me an hour longer in that silk robe. It gave me a second cup of coffee or tea to savor. And what it did was plant me into my feminine power. So it wasn't the art of doing nothing. It was the art of being in my feminine, which then took me out of this feeling of guilt like I should, because I realized I am in something right now. I'm actually working in something. I'm working in this really magnetic energy. And all of a sudden, my branding changed. What I was saying changed because everything was stemming from this like highly charged feminine woman in her silk robe with her coffee and her pretty cup who had had a moment to pause and just be in that before coming out into the world. And that made a drastic change in everything I did. Ooh, that's good. Isn't it fun when you interview someone and you think, oh, well, they're going to impact my community. And then your life changes because of the (laughs) conversation you have. I swear to God, that's why I do the podcast. (laughs) I agree with you. It's just you learn so much. It's such a gift. The podcast, the podcast world is a gift. Not only is the community getting free access to all of us, And it's also this incredible ability to meet these humans that enhance you and grow you and stretch you. I have been so stretched on that podcast. You were one of them too. I mean, we talked about that. You were a guest on the podcast. I was so grateful for that because you stretched me into the word pleasure and you stretched me into asking myself, what even does that mean for me? Because I had no concept of what that meant other than saying to somebody, it's my pleasure. But that was just a saying. I don't even know. Did I even know what that meant? Or was I just saying something without thinking? And so 
yeah, the podcast world, we, we learn a lot and we get to be with some pretty cool people. That's for sure. The last thing I really want to get into with you is this idea of not selling to people's pain points. Mm -hmm. Girl, you got me with that one. I was like, oh, she's my people. (laughs) And it's something that I had been feeling and pondering for a while. Didn't really have words to put to it. But every time I went to a sales page, even putting my own sales pages together, I was like, this feels gross. I don't like it. And I'm not totally sure why, but the words are not landing anymore. I feel like I'm coming from a place of lack and like, look at me and I'm going to save you. And I'm not here to be anyone's guru. And then I just didn't know what to do with it. Mm. And then I saw you post something. I think it was a few weeks ago you initially posted it. And then I was listening to the show this morning. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. It's selling to people's pain points. You make people feel bad about themselves on your sales page. So then they want you to fix it for them. Okay. Tell me your entire belief system (laughs) around this. First of all, thank you. And it's a big one. And it's really a voice I would love to own and speak loudly about, especially in the coaching industry. But anybody who's selling anything, I mean, selling products, it runs into that as well. So here's the thing. I too sold to pain points. And I sold to pain points because I had a coach who said, this is how you do copy on a sales page. You tell her what she needs in her life and you tell her how you're going to fix it and she's going to buy your programs. And what I was running into was finding my sales page look just like her sales page, just like look like her sales page. We're all saying the same thing. And I start to cringe and like twitch when I feel like I'm duplicating or copying somebody else. I love individuality. So that was my first sort of spark, I suppose, to like, this doesn't feel good. Second thing was, I don't like how this feels when I was being approached. I, you know, I can't say this was my experience, but let me just talk about pain points in terms of me talking to somebody. If I told you, are you tired of not making any sales off of your master classes? Are you tired of not being able to pay your bills? Or how about body image? Do you want those jeans to fit? Or do you want to look good for your high school reunion or whatever they say? She's already lying awake at night thinking about all those things. We know We know, we know the things that we would love to change or work through. We do not need to be reminded of that. And so it started to feel like manipulation to me. And again, I start to cringe and twitch with anything that's manipulative. We do not need to manipulate to generate a sale. As a matter of fact, that will turn into clients who want refunds. That will return turn into clients who are highly needy, who don't honor your boundaries, turn into clients who are unhappy and don't like your services. So you're just going to attract people who think you're going to be able to fix them, like you said. And I'm not here to fix anybody. Actually, nobody even needs to be fixed. Nobody's broken. Nobody's broken. I think somebody needs to hear that. You're not broken. What we get to do when we sell is to cast a vision because I would love to buy into somebody's vision that they cast for me. So what it can look like is Are you ready to start traveling and experiencing all of those beautiful places you want to go to with your partner? Are you ready to feel vibrant and healthy and energized throughout your day? Are you ready to have wait lists and to have people seeking you out for your advice and your leadership? Casting a vision is so abundant. Like There's nothing tied to scarcity in that. It's about like widening people's minds and their hearts and opening them up to what's possible instead of all these things they're already laying in. They're there. What if we got to get them to stand up and declare for themselves, I want more and thank you for showing me the more. 
And now because of that, I trust you even more. And when I come in and I purchase from you, I'm doing it from such an empowered place that this is not money I shouldn't be spending. I'm not being irresponsible because there's a level of that in the coaching world where people are being irresponsible. I'm doing this from a responsibility. I'm doing it because I want to. And when I come into this space, it is going to be so powerful, so good for both of us because we came together from that side of the fence. We have a responsibility as coaches, as mentors, as leaders to really check ourselves when it comes to this because it's not okay anymore. That is so good. (laughs) Are you like teaching this already? What are you doing aside from the podcast? Yeah, I I feel like you need to you need to host like a three hour masterclass on this (laughs) for leaders. It's so good. Well, thank you. That is definitely my 2022. I found myself. The coaching industry is funny. You can start one way and completely end up somewhere different. And that is definitely where I'm ready to stand and be known as the expert is in leadership. Because what I've identified is, okay, I could be a sales guru. I could be, you know, this marketing teacher and I want to teach all those things. But again, if it's not coming from this pure, high leveled leadership, it's always just okay. And your branding and and your business will flourish beyond your wildest expectations. It's just like when we going back to the beginning of the podcast, right? When you were like, we can only hold so much until we rise, raise up and raise our standards and then things start to rise up to our level. It's just the most beautiful existence. So definitely want to start teaching that. Yeah, I, I coach. I have um, one-on-one mentorship, which is very sacred. I only have a few spots for that. And I am launching a new program for 2022 that will encompass a lot of these things for sure. I love it. Oh my God. That's <laughs> so good. I'm so excited and I'm so proud of you for really owning this. It's it's really great. Thank you. Jen, thank you so much. I love everything you're about. You have the best energy and you feel good and it feels good to be around you. And I just really appreciate you so much. And I'm so glad we got to be together today. I'm grateful for you too, Kelly. Thanks for having me. What if you could say an all in yes to yourself for 2022? What if you could commit fully to the things you said you were going to do, to the vision that you have, and to be in the room with a mentor who will hold you accountable, cast an even wider vision for you, and give you the strategy, tools, tactics, and support to ensure that these things come to fruition? Welcome to the iconic experience. Oh, just like comes out of me from the depths of my soul, this program, if I can even call it that. It's just not. That's why it's called the iconic experience. It is an experience. And it is one of the biggest gifts I've ever put out into the world. You are going to be part of a mastermind, a high level executive roundtable of perfectly welcomed in and invited in souls who will collaborate with you and network with you and stretch you and share ideas and all the goodness that comes out of a mastermind is so extraordinary. So you're going to have that every month. You're going to have group Voxer. So that mastermind stays active and you can drop in and ask questions and really share with one another and build deep, meaningful relationships. And on top of that, I thought, what could I do to expand this beyond something that I've seen out there in this world? And that is you have a full iconic experience by welcoming yourself into the rooms of everything I launch live in 2022. So you do not need to contemplate whether you should or do I want to invest. 
you get to sit back and receive for the entire year as the result of a single yes to yourself. One yes gets you a mastermind for the entire year full of really wicked women, group Voxer with these same women and myself, and you walk in the room for all the live coaching programs that I launched in 2022. You're just in, you're in the room. So this is really for the woman who is ready to lead, lead herself, lead her business, lead her life. And if this sounds like, ooh, it's a prayer I've been asking for, and I just want to say yes to something and just enjoy the experience versus looking constantly for the next thing, the next answer, the next coach, oh, the confusion, the chaos, the energy that is expended through that. Welcome to the iconic experience. You can come into the DMs, tell me you're interested, ask the questions. I am so excited to answer them and to get to know you and see if this is a fit for you. Welcome to the best year of your life in 2022. And I'm telling you right now, the iconic experience is going to be like the rocket that's going to take you to the whole new level, the one that you've been asking for. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together, they all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there, make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you. And I just want you to make it a great day 